Hey, Steve! Hey. Okay, we almost got all of that. We almost got all of that. <laughs> some of it came in and out, some of it came in and out. I don't know if it's Discord being the problem or if it's something else. Discord does have its own noise cancellation, but hey, it's just us two, almost like old times, except we're not in your home. Um, I'm still in the same room we used to podcast in. Still in the same room, just so we're we're together in spirit. Um, Spirit. But I actually have drinking spirits. Oh, we are. I do have my spirits. I don't know how much of them I want to drink. Um, you always, you know how you get those issues once in a while where you're like, all of a sudden your teeth are sensitive to temperature and it's like, oh gosh, am I get Do I got a cavity? Do I got something? It wasn't like this this morning. Why? And then the next day you forget it ever happened. I think I'm in one of those phases right now. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. I have had that happen. So I actually got at home fluoride treatment stuff and like the little trays they use at the dentist. I feel like since I, I do that <laughs> periodically, I feel like that helps with the, the sensitivity. Well, what I got to do but is I got I got I got to floss, but that's 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 a whole other whole other topic. People did not come here. It's a whole other topic about that. Um, we actually have a bunch of different um, things to discuss tonight. I did prepare decently well enough. Um, the first thing is Gotham Knights gameplay. They revealed the Gotham Knights trailer or new gameplay recently. Did you get to watch the video? Actually, didn't. I meant to watch it before tonight, and I did not get to watch it. So you're going to have to tell me about it. See, is that's it- super late, <laughs> but okay. It um t- oh, See, this isn't where we can... Because I was hoping to get your thoughts on it, right? Because I feel like you might be more open to it than I would be because automatically I'm like, what loot-driven levels to gain and blah, blah, blah. And so it's the Batman live service. And I feel like you'd be more open to that than I would maybe. But see, see, here's my, this is my issue. This is my issue. And I I did actually catch that part, like the live service. I thought we were talking more like, I don't know, the... um, the how it compares to looks like the flow compares to say Arkham Asylum, which to me is still the high point of the series, but that's another story. The so here is my problem. I like a couple live service games, and I don't know. Like my kids have me playing Fortnite now, actually fairly regularly, <laughs> um, and. I just don't know. So if I've been playing right now, I guess in terms of live service games, Fortnite, Destiny, and Overwatch are out there. And obviously, it's everyone's going to have different preferences and whatnot. My issue is that this seems like something that just needed to be a narrative-driven game. Maybe a multiplayer narrative-driven game. Sounds great. I love those. With co-op. Co-op, yes. I, I don't... I just don't see this being great as a, as a live service game. Give Destiny all the crap you want. What they've turned it into is really a... Like, 
a TV show style storytelling in a video game. And I think that's the only way to do a narrative game right now. And as a live, as a live service, right. As as, is, if you want to do something like that, where you have like destiny. So I, I'm not caught up this season, but every three months you basically get a, a drip fed campaign that's a little bit going to have a little bit repetitive gameplay, but it's going to have always a little bit fresh and a little bit repetitive over the course of, I think usually it's about eight or nine weeks it takes to do the whole seasonal story. You get a drip, drip fed content over eight or nine weeks. And then once a year, you get a big story expansion. I think it's a really cool idea and it works. I think Destiny is the only game that's going to pull that off. I think Arkham Knights, I'm just, it's, it's deflating because it just, Every live service game feels like it's going to steal a piece of your life away into it. Yeah. I, well, every, every that's what every live service game is trying to do, right? And maybe this one's looking at... Because Warner Brothers Interactive has always kind of been Ubisoft Jr. In that they look at what Ubisoft do, is doing and tries to imitate that. But in, the, in regards to Gotham Knight... Like, it might be more like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, right? Where they're trying to say, oh, well, they are trying to be open-ended. Like they said, we want you to be able to do different story missions in whatever uh, order you want. But that's one of the reasons they're doing the quote-unquote levels to try and balance that out. Only you technically don't have to do something like that. Um, See, okay, here's think. the problem. This is this is the problem. If you <laughs> Once you get into that Assassin's Creed, you're not really, you can't really do things in the order you want that to do that. You can do the side quests and the main story in each particular area in whichever order you want. You can't actually do the game in any order you want because you're mm. still going to be up against the leveling system. Yeah. So either you have a totally irrelevant leveling system that auto scales to everything everywhere, which is one of the issues I think Anthem ran into where like people were realizing they could do more damage with like the white colored loot than with the high color loot because the game was just level scaling for them. Which is funny because you can also just go get like you can use in-game currency to buy really over-leveled loot and then just dominate anyway. Right. Right, exactly. And then you or then you run out with the Assassin's Creed Origins Odyssey. Um, I haven't played Valhalla, so I, I can't say 100 percent sure this is the same thing. But where you need to you are required to do side quests to grind up to level to complete the story content in a given area and then you kind of continuously have to do that so there's this illusion of freedom but it's not really freedom unless you're also going to buy some kind of level up booster pack garbage that ubisoft did with assassin's creed which is a whole other story of terribleness and honestly considering this is warner brothers interactive they probably looked at that and thought that's a good idea um, but even then, like one of the things that I realized is we're talking like live service games and remember one of the issues with the Avengers live service game being that the characters, none of them feel right. Like none of them feel like that actual superhero. Like Hulk yes. doesn't feel like he's actually hulking out. Um, like none of the cat, like 
right because you have to Thor power scale like yeah you have to power scale everyone. you have to power scale for it do the did the person bring like black widow and hawkeye or did they bring hulk and thor you don't know and so you have to make hawkeye somehow feel as strong as thor and it just ends up being dumb yeah well here we we actually get to see something similar with the traversal methods where you might have already seen people talking about it on reddit um you have Nightwing with a glider, just like Aloy out of Horizon, but then you have You mean like Red Link Hood. out of Breath of the Wild. Actually, you're right, both. Uh, I'm surprised that I'm... I'm surprised I'm the one that didn't say Breath of the Wild. Uh, Seriously. What a role reversal here. Uh, but no, then you have Red Hood has these weird, magical, midair jump step things. And of all the characters, they gave it to Red Hood. Maybe there's some comic explanation for that, but a lot of Red Hood mm. fans have been sitting there evidently making a stink out of it. But it's like, here's an example of a character that we're forcing some weird traversal in order to keep up with how other people are getting around. And that's partially like the co-op thing, right? Like, all right, we're going to have co-op. We're going to have four different characters. But rather than allowing... Because some of it's on rooftops, right? So instead of having like, okay, Red Hood's the guy on the ground, we're going to give him a motorcycle, and Nightwing's the guy that's going to be using the hover glider while the others grapple around the heights of Gotham, it's, no, we need to make sure every player is able to do every uh, everything. Like, so you can design yeah. everything for the same gameplay traversal rather than taking multiple tra traversal possibilities into account. Um but really, when it comes to the gameplay, the thing that stood out to me the most was they removed the numbers, which they talked about you can, you know, add or remove as much of the UI as you want. And that might mean that the numbers are just hidden here. But I feel like they're trying to make it more like the Arkham when they were seeing Nightwing's gameplay. And it doesn't look right. It looks... Firstly, he's sliding around too much, right? Like, there's always a degree of Batman sliding around the ground and stuff from goon to goon, but even the enemy AI isn't right. So there's a lot of moments where you're just seeing uh, Grayson just doing flips and stuff and nothing's being accomplished. It looks like the guy's mashing buttons and doesn't know what he's doing instead of, hey, we're showing off how cool this gameplay can be if you master the mechanics. And... That's sort of yeah, where I'm, I I'm to... like watching it in the background right now. And you no, know, you're <laughs> totally right. Cause I was just watching Nightwing and it's like, yeah, every, what made Arkham again, Arkham Asylum to me is still kind of the peak. What made it so great was that it felt like now, obviously there was a little bit of mushiness in places, but like it made it feel like every movement had, purpose and that there was a uh, there was a there's a visceral realism to it in in this in the way it was presented obviously it's not like realistic but just watching nightwing like glide across the rooftop doing like three backflips on the way to kick somebody in the face and then like do three backflips back the other way to kick somebody else in the face is just like what this isn't how, yeah, it's like this isn't how the Arkham games worked. I have a feeling they're going to disappoint a lot of people with this, but I, at the same time, like, for all I know, people are going to buy it because it's Batman, right? I mean, that's how the comic books are. Like, DC, like, can sell as many of any other comic as they want, but it's, like, always going to be Batman that's going to be what tops the charts. Um, 
Yeah. So it's also going to be tough. Like the the fact that they removed the the PS4 and Xbox One versions. Oh yeah, that was something is, else I realized because even though I know this isn't like a finished game, um, there were still moments that it was having frame rate issues. That it's like this isn't like this doesn't look like. It didn't feel like I was looking at a PS5 Series X ex- series, ex- you know, Xbox Series exclusive game. It looked like I was going to get a game that could be run on PS4 and Xbox One, and now it's next gen only, and I can kind of under- kind of understand why. But I'm not seeing anything where even this early in development it looks like it should be having that sort of frame rate issue. But again, it's an unfinished product, and there's a lot of optimization they might not be might not have been able to do to the engine and other stuff like that. So we'll have to see. You'll have to see the, the final product. Well, what stinks about it is as a four-player co-op game, it mm. is going to limit some of your options. Because right, So right now I've got a regular Tuesday night four-player co-op session. We just finished Left 4 Dead recently, finally. <laughs> um, and it was better than Back 4 Blood, what? Or no, Back for Blood, not Left for Dead. I'm oh, I was going to say. Yeah, okay. no. yeah, we didn't finish Left for Dead. But anyway, like part of the problem is is finding things to play that everybody can play on their respective systems and play together. Yeah. And so if you still have somebody who's got a, you know, depending on what the cross-play situation is, if you have somebody who has an Xbox Series X but also has a PS4, that might open up opportunity to play this with a friend on, you know, day, night, uh, you know, co-op game night. But if you say, no, it's locked to next-gen systems, you are going to, like, squeeze out some of that accessibility as well for a live service game, which I think is is tough, where I feel be- yeah. I would feel better about a single-player only game ditching the last-gen compatibility than a a game that's designed to be played co-op in a live service sort of environment. Yeah, like if you look at you, me, and Nolan used to play Destiny all the time. You and Nolan have a PS5. I do not. I think you and I both have an Xbox Series system. He does not. And so that is going to be an issue. Um, yeah. Who, who, who well, plays with who? And I mean, because that's the thing, that's part of what's like for like we stopped playing Destiny and now we're doing like our fire team is broken up. We are no more and we have yet to get together with something and it stinks. But that's the thing now with this next gen situation, it's even more difficult because we're, we're early enough in adoption. Um, so but um, yeah. speaking of next gen and releases and delays we have Starfield and Redfall were delayed. And this, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I was, I was a little bit, you know, expecting Starfield to be November of this year, but it looks like that was a, um, unlikelihood, uh, Redfall. They didn't even show any gameplay of that either. So I wasn't sure, but the question is, what does this leave Microsoft with for the holiday? And before we, before I have you answer that, uh, good evening, uh, Phoenix. Thanks for tuning in. Um, but yeah, so tell me like, what are your, what are your thoughts, uh, on like 
what does what because that's the thing like for me i'm not really big onto either one of these games i'm not a big bethesda open world fan um redfall might have been interesting to me if it was a left for dead style game but evidently it is also a looter shooter so it's about getting loot customizing your build and all the yada yada and i i like the simplicity of left for dead um so for me it's like it, it's not that big of a deal and i would game pass these games anyway if i was going to play any bit of them i would play them on game pass but that's the thing like even for people with an xbox and with game pass don't you want to have that access to the big games right like the big titles that are releasing and the only thing I could think of that Microsoft has and could release this year is Hellblade Senwa's Saga. Yeah, I was wondering about that one. And that's the only thing we've really seen gameplay of that of their newly acquired uh, studio. But that doesn't have a firm release date yet. It does not. Hmm. So like yeah, that... with no Starfield, it's I'm looking at the release calendar right now, and it's really. It's mostly all you know cross-platform stuff that's going to be on multiple systems. They're really like not putting out very much. Yeah, and granted, right now we don't exactly have a lot from Sony either. But given that there, we know that Final Fantasy sixteen is a is a lock for PlayStation Five exclusivity for a while. So that game could release this year they're being very quiet on it but like the um uh, yoshi p has been saying that they're in the final stretch for a little bit so it's giving people hope of a possibility it could still be like early 2023 instead um mm -hmm. but that's the thing like there's a possibility of seeing 16 this year on playstation 5 and then there's god of war ragnarok who had more reassurance today, I think, because people have been wondering, is that going to get delayed to 2023? And they just released a sort of um, accessibility features blog post today. Right. Yeah, I saw that. And so I think they're trying to hype up God of War Ragnarok as an expect as an anticipated release this year. Um, and if that does release and all Microsoft has is Hellblade Senwa uh, Saga, I mean, they're both... Narrative-driven action games. You could argue, you know, one could compete with the other, but the thing is, Hellblade was a small indie action game that, you know, made a big splash within the gaming enthusiast circles, but not really a big mainstream one. Whereas God of War is a long-running franchise that a lot of mainstream gamers are aware of and are going to be looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. Is um, I forget is Forspoken cross platform? Is that PS Five exclusive? I th think that's PS Five exclusive as well. I don't know if okay. that. Hmm. I don't know. That, is, given hmm. given Square's release history lately, I'm not as sold on that. I mean, that um, was going to release on May, and then it got pushed into uh, the fall. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting yeah, one. I'll be like to be one up, to like... watch what the reaction is. I think that could that could really blow up if people are. I feel like I'm hungry for something like that, a more RPG ish, like 
I don't know. I don't think I have another. Like I finished Horizon Forbidden West, and I don't have another one of those in me for a while. <laughs> I really enjoyed that game, but I, I just the like classic like open world style game. It just, but something that's a little bit more RPG ish. I might be into something with that little bit of square touch. I don't know. No, that's going to be interesting to see. Because as I said, like, I'm thinking about it. That should have either been out this week or next week. Like, I'm thinking about that. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's when this was was originally supposed to be. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, there's. And that's the thing. Like, I do wonder, because there are supposed to be a lot of open world games coming out this year. And after Elden Ring. And I'm not saying this either. Just like, well, I mean, firstly, it's a huge game and that a lot of people got it it's also a huge yeah. game literally and what kind of an impact will that have like breath of the wild 2 was supposed to come out this year and wisely got delayed the next year as well and that alone like how, how many games are going to be delayed to like the first quarter or first half of the year now like is is the november uh the october november december like release window like dead just about as only a few quote-unquote major titles and even then i feel like it's habit titles like call of duty releases out of habit in that time frame yeah and it always sells big but is that really like a major major title now are the holidays even the major like time to release a game because it feels like the best games lately and maybe it's just my perspective because like again when did assassin's creed valhalla release that sort of pre-Christmas autumn time when did Resident Evil Village release after that? And what did I really like? Resident Evil Village. So I'm yeah, not, of there's, course. There's the, something to that where it is becoming more. And I think part of this does have to do with the whole the whole live service thing. Like, what do what do my kids want to play when they get home from school? What do they talk about with their friends and their friends play? It's Fortnite, right? And some of them play Apex too. And some of them play Minecraft also. And, you know, some of them play a handful of other games. Almost every game on that list is some kind of ongoing live service style game. It's not a a narrative driven story game. They're not even, even the like the movie tie-ins and stuff like that. Like nobody cares about any of that stuff. Like, you know, for, for kids in that department, they don't care about the movie tie-in. They care about getting the Fortnite skin of the movie tie-in. Did you guys even you know get the I mean? Lego, the new Lego star Wars game? I haven't, we were planning on it, but we haven't, but like, huh. yeah, I know. So that feels like uh, a shoe in at your household. It should be, yeah. We we've used to we've hundred percented multiple Lego games, but this there is something about it, and I think that is part of what's killing that release window, is that the the sort of like okay, so Call of Duty, right? The Call of Duty release cycle basically became, you know, you got a new six hour campaign. And then updated multiplayer modes every year, essentially. With new maps, but you don't have the right, old with, ones anymore. Right, with new maps. And that was sort of, and some people would go back, you'd go back and play the old one every now and maybe, but most people would just kind of switch to the new thing. And, yeah. and I think this live service model has disrupted that 
because some people, um, maybe most people, not me. I liked. I would see when I was playing Call of Duty. I would buy it from GameStop and play the six-hour campaign, and then sell it back to GameStop and not play the multiplayer. You're just one of many that did stuff like that. Yeah, right. But that's kind of died. Where now it's like the multiplayer that people are playing is is the live service multiplayer. They're playing Apex Legends and, and Fortnite and all this other stuff. And it's funny because we're clearly we're clearly uh, a little bit off track, but this is the kind of thing I've been thinking about because Bellular Bell, News was recently talking about like the old arena shooter, the Unreal Tournament, the Quake and stuff. And how the, like nobody's been able to revive that. Um, and even like the old, like Halo... Halo Infinite feels good, but it's also struggled, and uh, they haven't get, been able to get the live service off the ground, but then you look at the live service games that succeed, and one of the interesting ones is, like, Apex Legends, where it's actually, like, number two in Japan, like, the second biggest shooter in Japan, and that's not small, no, 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 it's second largest audiences in Japan, um, and for multiplayer games, that's actually a big deal, because usually you're biggest audience for a multiplayer shooter is probably somewhere in europe um it's not even gonna it's either gonna be america or europe um but no it's even in japan and that's why they have like apex legends mobile but one of the things that i realized about apex legends is it is a steady content drip um and maybe Mm -hmm. drip is too small of a word but like you regularly get news of new seasons new skins new uh character Sprays, emotes, I don't know what they do. I only played Apex Legends a little bit, but it's like you yeah, got new, I mean, basically it's, new it's, updates, new characters, all kinds of new things coming at a regular pace, and it's still at a baseline free-to-play. And even though I'm not really big on Fortnite, Fortnite's the same way. You have a steady drip of updates coming all the time, and Destiny, according to a specific VTuber, is what dads play. Um, but Destiny Oof. is yeah, well. I mean, you are a dad. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Destiny is has struggled a bit with that, but has also had steady drip of content over time. Where has Halo Infinite screwed up? Well, aside from releasing incomplete, it hasn't been able to even get its seasons right yet. Right. Um, it's it screwed up coming out the door. Um, Anthem screwed up coming out the door with its roadmap and updates and everything like and part is partially because these games come out broken ironically i think marvel's avengers actually did have a steady roadmap they stuck by but nobody cared because the game wasn't that good yeah so here's the thing here's the thing too like so i've been playing a little bit more Fortnite lately this game is unrecognizable from the game that came out however many years ago when they when they first released the battle royale mode, our, Heck, it's rec- unrecognizable last... from when before it was a battle royale mode. Well, obviously that, but the battle ro- the current battle royale in Fortnite is unrecognizable. We had it was more like a game of battlefield in our last match than it was like Fortnite. We had. It was more battlefield than the latest battlefield. We had like a desert area and we had multiple like large vehicle, like a battle bus. And we, well, the other, one of the other teams had a battle bus and we had a tank 
and there were other vehicles popping in and out like we kept on destroying we were kind of dominating in this area but it was like this was not Fortnite. we were driving a tank we had gunner and uh, on the tank and we were blowing up the other vehicles and doing cleanup on the uh, you know the other teams and it was just like like what game am i playing right now this isn't Fortnite. like this is <laughs> this is completely transformed from what the original game was. And that's actually kind of cool, right? Like I did hear that a lot of people liked the latest no build update. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're back on, we're, we were playing on the build mode. There is a no build mode also, which is again, oh. no build plus the vehicles. We like, we got one elimination today where somebody had built a tower and I just drove the tank directly through the bottom of the tower, <laughs> making the whole thing collapse and the player die from fall damage. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so but no, we were talking about this, this drip feed of content. What makes it even more interesting is that the games that are doing it well, the drip becomes transformative, where you have a... It's not just like we're playing the same game over and over again. It's like they're really doing a good job at delivering a, a new, fresh experience periodically with the game that sort of evolves it's just really interesting to i think to have been able to observe this now how how have they done anything to preserve the old game types including pre-battle pre-battle royale yeah so you can still play save the world uh which is the the sort of tower defense RPG sort of shooter. what it was whatever it was yeah yeah it's like it's like a tower defense RPG shooter we, I mean, we've played a, a bit of that um the in terms of the battle royale mode though you can't really play there's no like classic mode right now see I've wondered I'm, about I wonder I wonder about, about that you, because that's yeah. and that's the funny thing too I feel like the option cuz firstly it's like if you liked how the game was then with a live service model, you have to go forward. You can't stick to mm-hmm. a version that you liked. Um, and that's how all these things are. Like even subscription software, like uh, Photoshop and stuff, like the the Adobe. Like they want you to constantly be going forward kind of a thing. Though I think you can install old version. Never mind. I might I might have had a bad point. Um, contradictory point. But the the at the same time, like one of that's one of the things that I think is interesting is where you look at what was important once upon a time ago in a game versus what's important now. Like now people want characters. They want characters with lore a lot of times, or at least recognizable characters. Like Fortnite and Overwatch have similar art styles. I don't know if Fortnite really has lore to its characters, though I think it has lore to the universe because everything does. And that seems to be like what, like 10 to 13 year old kids love too. They like Five Nights at Freddy's. Why did my niece get into that when she was eight years old? Because she loved the lore of it. She looked at all these Let's Players and these lore videos and was like, oh my gosh, it's lore. And Overwatch, you know, you have your lore that lends itself to fan fiction and fan creations, fan art, fan everything, fan contributions. Like it creates a fandom culture. Um, I was late to the Overwatch train and my first thought upon like loading it up, checking out some skins, I'm like, like this game was made for fan fiction and cosplay. Like this yeah. isn't this is designed for people to write fan fiction about. But the funny thing is, all these games have these 
all these different skins and other things, but what they really lack are game modes. And I feel like that's one of the reasons, like, why did Unreal Tournament explode? Because it had a ton of game. Do you want deathmatch and team deathmatch? You got them. You want capture the flag? You got it. You want invasion? You got it. You want assault? You got it. And that's like half of what they had. And then tons of different maps, many of which are custom made for different game types. And now part of it could be that it's because it's just so much more complex now, but you have fewer maps and far fewer game modes, but instead you replace it with these characters. Like, cause that's the thing, Team Fortress 2. What did Team Fortress 2 do? It has characters and has very clever little videos. But do those characters have lore? Not like Overwatch does, not like Destiny does with its lore. So I'm feeling like right now we've got this interesting shift or what players care about is very different and is there room to play to that niche that's like i want unreal tournament again and epic's never going to make it but could someone else make like first start with just solid shooting mechanics and then build the game modes and then build the maps and then release that can you get that and can you work that into a free-to-play model like, can you take so, Unreal Tournament, but give these characters more lore, more unique? Because Unreal Tournament had unique teams and characters built into that, but they were basically just little icons in your screen and then voices. Like, you, you, you didn't. Right, it was really a, do a much character with it. was a set of voice lines. It wasn't, you know, it, it didn't yeah. have the personality of I don't know, like you know, Reinhardt being or something like that. Who's yeah, you didn't have a diva the, nerf this. Right. And yeah, they didn't, they weren't as well written or, or whatever you'd say too. They didn't have these sort of lore videos that makes you attach yeah. to the character. You, uh, you had, instead of nerf this, you had someone, you had an AI character blatantly screaming, you whore. That was Unreal uh, Tournament. <laughs> like, Unreal Tournament. Yeah. I remember that. No, so here's the thing Overwatch probably is the closest thing we've got to Unreal Tournament because in addition to the core game mode, which is actually a rotation of three different game modes. You have uh, the arcade playlist where you have Deathmatch, you have Capture the Flag, you have variants of the core game modes with things like, you know, your all of your ability cooldowns are, you know, cut in half, or low gravity mode, or, you know, no limits where you play the core game, but... Anybody can, you don't instead have any limits of picking on character up, picks. Instead of picking up inventive or, weapons, you choose a character with a specific inventive weapon. Like, right. rather than and, having and, the option to pick pick up the flak cannon, you choose the character with the flak you cannon. You use Roadhog, who has a, basically the flak cannon, right. And then, in, in addition, like, there's all kinds of, you know, there's modes like elimination modes, where once you use, once you win a round with a character, you can't pick that character again. And so there is actually a lot, that's the closest. I would like to see, I think you're right, something more. I, I loved Quake 3. I loved Unreal Tournament. I would love to see something like that. I, I don't know if we're going to ever see sort of Deathmatch return as a core game mode in the world of objective-based shooters. I mean, I guess Call of Duty well, still does. I mean, let's be honest. That wasn't exactly the core that people really played in a real tournament either. Well, maybe they did. Like, I played at LAN parties, 
And with I also played Unreal Tournament 2K4, so you'd vary it up, but you would play Deathmatch. But a lot of people loved Onslaught. I hated Onslaught, but we'd uh, play a lot true, of yeah. we'd play a lot of Assault, and I loved Assault. Um, Capture the Flag, and then uh, one of my favorites was also Invasion because it was PVE. Um, so that's yeah. the thing, like. I think deathmatch is easy to do once you get the core mechanics working and then you got to build the other, cause that's the thing like invasion isn't just a map. It's you got to make objectives change and therefore the map transforms. That's why I loved invasion and you didn't necessarily have to be good at it. Now, of course, here's the funny thing. We got Splatoon three coming out this year and Splatoon three, I feel like is one of those shooters that's really big, but nobody talks about. And yet, hmm. It's also different itself, but that's another thing. It also has lore. I don't know how deep the lore goes, and I don't know if, like, I haven't looked up any Splatoon lore explained videos. Hmm. Um, I can only imagine what those sound like, but it definitely has it as well. So, but that's the th- that's the funny thing because that's on a, that's exclusive to a Nintendo system, and it doesn't really have microtransactions. It counts on just selling the game, and then people constantly play it. Um, so it is an old-fashioned style, but the way it plays isn't like any other arena shooter. Um, you go into the arena and you paint it up. Like, you don't have to actually actively kill people to do well in that game. But, I don't know, it's like, it is something that makes me wonder, is is the thing that you can bring back the arena shooter, but you have to step back a bit, bit and think, why are people latching onto the games that they're latching onto? And then, if we really wanted to expand this... Because one of the things, as I said, like, you know, Sony has stuff coming out this year. And I think that now Microsoft is badly positioned for this holiday. But regardless of that, at the same time, Sony's like, we want to have 10 live service games by 2025. And that feels to me like we're going to open a, like we own, let's say, let's say we own both McDonald's and Burger King. Or maybe we should say Wendy's and Burger King, right? We own Wendy's and Burger King, and we're going to have one across the street from one another. And we think we're going to get all the customers and double the money. But what you really get is a divided customer base and double the overhead. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think I think this is... I, I thought we had already figured this out. I thought after... After the division and Outriders and Anthem, and Marvel's Avengers, I thought we had Babylon's kind of Fall. Babylon's Fall. Now, I thought people had kind of figured out. And part of the problem is this momentum, right? I remember somebody talking about the issues with Destiny being like a giant, like shipping ship that you can't just turn it around. It's going, and it's going to take like miles. Well, there's a, actually there's a course qu- correct. There is a quote that game development is like building the ship while you're already out at sea. Yeah, and so I know part of this is is going to be like the that thing where you know these games have been in development since before Avengers launched, since before Outriders was out for a month, and then everyone decided, oh, this kind of really isn't going to have any staying powder. Powder, staying powder. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so there's, so there's that aspect too. But just it feels like this feels like the next cinematic, the cinematic universe thing, right? 
where we everyone wanted to build a cinematic universe. And it turns out that you can't just build a cinematic universe and have it be successful in the same way you can't just build a live service game and have it, you know, be Fortnite. And have it work. Like have, have it be work. Fortnite. Yeah. Have, have, it, have be... it just work at all. Yeah. <laughs> let alone let alone be Fortnite or Apex. So with that said, there is one thing of speculation that I'm curious about from what you might think. Last uh, speak, st- sticking with Sony, Last of Us remake rumors, where mm. they're predicting. Now I'm ready for this to be something where the journalists get half right. There is a Last of Us project in the works, but then it turns out to be a standalone expansion to Last of Us Two. Um, because mm. sometimes that's how these things work, right? It happens all the time with Nintendo. Like last year, like there, like there had been for like two or three years, rumors of a Metroid Fusion remake. And there is plenty of evidence to to the to stick by that, but then it turns out to be Metroid Dread, um, of all things. Mm. Um, so I'm ready for this to actually not be a remake of The Last of Us, but if it is, this is a PS5 exclusive remake of the original Last of Us, which is almost ten years old, but has a has a perfectly fine PS4 remaster that not only works on PlayStation Five and has you know improvements to it. But you could get on PS Plus for free, I believe, still. Because um, if you get PS Plus with your PS5 or something, you get a bunch of those classic right, PS4 yeah, games. Um, yeah. No, it sounds really dumb. Like, that just sounds dumb. Like, why? 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 Like, also, can we please just be done with Last of Us? Oh, you're... Like, <laughs> no, no, listen. I'm probably among those who are going to defend last of us two more strongly than others but i just i really don't want if they're going to go in the di- further in the direction whether in a remake or whether in a prequel or a standalone expansion or whatever they're doing if they're going to do more of what they did in last of us two like i just can't like i won't you know play a game where I kill a dog and then find out that this was like the best good boy in the history of good (laughs) boys and like play fetch with it in a flashback and all this other stuff. And then, you know, an hour ago I unceremoniously killed this dog in the future kind of, you know what I mean? Like I, I I just like, I can't, I can't guys. Like, here's a question. People. Here's a question for you, because I didn't think about this until after we discussed a little bit on my Discord. What if this is supposed to, in some way, tie in with the HBO show coming out? Like, I don't know if, like, a literal tie-in, or if they're, like, going to change Ellie and Joel to look more like Pedro Pascal and whoever's playing Ellie. Or if it's going to be something else to try and get all the people that never played last of us and don't really play games very often at all, but certainly do love watching HBO to think, man, maybe I should get myself a PS five and play that last of us one remake. Like what are the odds of that? Cause that's the only thing I could think of that makes a business sense to this. Cause it's either that or they are greatly overestimating how big the actual devoted fan base to last of us is 
like I'm sorry, but Twitter is not an accurate representation of your actual market. Um, and therefore your actual fan devoted fan base that not only has a PS five, but can afford the $70 you may very well be charging for this. Like it doesn't seem to make any business sense or any logic sense. It seems more like it would be smarter to me to either release a last of us one and two bundle of the PS five or to push the original last of us PS4 remastered more. Cause that looked, I mean, even these screenshots, right? Like these screenshots going on the screen, they still look good. And I'm sure most of these are the PS4 remaster, but the game looked good on the PS3. So is like, I, so, so, okay, here, here's my thought. If it is just a, another facelift on the game to basically update the original game, original voices, original everything to last of us. Well, last of us two is still PS4. Just, to update it to was it PS5. both P- that's right you're right it was yeah yeah if, if that's the whole idea is you know update this to be next gen again because in order to tie in get some more sales in relation to the hbo series okay fine like do it we just we did this this whole last gen i felt like was so many collections of older games with facelifts and and that all that sort of thing so whatever like that's fine if they're gonna do some kind of whole hog remake of last of us just please please like go someplace else so here's here's another question do you think because right now the rumor is this is the holiday, one of the holiday releases or the holiday release. So does that mean you think they're going to release God of War Ragnarok earlier than expected or it will get a pushback? Because I don't know. I mean, granted, I, I'm for my own reasons skeptical of Sony and some of the things that they do. And I feel like they want like they want Aloy to be their new mascot, right? Like she's the one that ends up being in Genshin Impact as a character. They just announced mm-hmm. a Nendoroid of Aloy. Um, they want her to be a mascot, but also for them, it's like Last of Us, it feels like they want this to be their premiere series, their representation of what their prestige game means. God of mm-hmm. War... I feel like is at this point, I feel like God of War is more exciting to most people than the prospect of a last of us remake. But do you think the people at Sony feel that way? I think that God of War is more exciting to most gamers gamers than, but last of us is more exciting to more non-gamers who might have a PS5. Like not non-gamers, but mm. people who people who play a handful of games, I think that a sort of gritty realistic zombie I'm just and part of this is based on people I know who have played both games or one or the other and and the reality Actions I think I've gotten from people who, when I was playing the original Last of Us, 
um, and that sort of thing. I felt like it had there was something that it had some sort of I don't know. I just felt like The Last of Us was more appealing to the average viewer. Where God of War, mm. maybe you capture a little bit of that Game of Thrones ish audience, but it's it's not like think about the first or not about the first boss. I'm just thinking about like the Balder fight in God of War. Like how many people in renting or borrowing God of War five just average average like you know I play a couple games every year um kind of you know that sort of thing like how many people got to that ball that boss fight with Balder and we're just like you know what this is bullshit and I'm done uh, uh considering that, you know I mean? that quick time event fight is designed for people that aren't gamers whereas all the Valkyrie fights and stuff are also here's the thing you got to remember dude like in some ways I'd normally agree with you but we are living in a world where Elden Ring has in less time sold more than Call of Duty like we've crossed 13 million units sold of Elden Ring and while I'm sure a good number of those players have just dropped it after a while or returned it or something it's not it 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 it's a success and this is a game that doesn't have handholdy quick time events to help you through the fight so you can feel like you're in a movie and you got quiet all of a sudden <laughs> i mean what what call of duty has it outsold like Vanguard, admittedly, but Vanguard sold 12 million units. Right. Dude, in this industry, do you think 13 million units in that's, no, that's two or three months is something to sneeze? Like, that is no, more than anyone. Like, dude, if you told me 10 years ago, a game like Elden Ring, like, not even telling like a FromSoft game, like a game like Elden Ring that was difficult, had you put the markers on the maps and like... Mm had barely any tutorial and stuff like that. Like if you told me that game was going to sell 13 million units, I would have been in complete disbelief because it goes against so much of what I call mainstream common sense of what a game needs to be, which is uh, honestly in a lot of ways, like it flies in the face of Ubisoft and Sony and even probably Microsoft in a lot of ways. Now, a lot of the reason it sells that much is partially because of developing word of mouth. You have streamer, like, you know, you got the hype train. You got the fact that it's got George R. R. Martin's name slapped on it, despite not having much to do with the game you actually play. Um, you've got uh, all kinds of other, like, promotional stuff. Like, it is a game, but that's the thing, dude. Like, we're talking about a, a world where people care and as you said it's like even when it comes to like these shooters and stuff where all like how many people are playing competitive shooters and like again apex Le legends that's a sweaty game dude that is a sweaty game um so is it like do we really live in an era where people just want to sit there and ha like are the people that are aging out are the people that just want to sit there and play a movie 
It, it is a good question. And I'm curious. I do think Elden Ring has benefited from, and I guess that's not even true. There are a lot of, I mean, there's a, there are some good next-gen games out right now. It, it's it's benefited from a lot of buzz. It's benefited from being next-gen and from the sort of build-up that the... Um, the entirety of know, From's back catalog post-Armored Core. Yeah. And Ninja Blade. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing right. I'm seeing Elden Ring personally as more of an aberration than necessarily a harbinger of things to come and yeah. a general taste in video game. And that's the thing. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you know, like this is like the future of gaming. Like, you're going to get rid of prestige games. You're going to get rid of quote unquote normie games, kind of a thing. Like, you're not going to get rid of that stuff. Um, Devil May Cry is no longer going to see a resurgence and become the biggest selling thing. But again, I mean, Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter World have also sold really big. Like, I think gaming audiences worldwide, globally, are in some ways reverting back to what they were before the Xbox 360 and PS3 was convinced everyone was an idiot and needed the easiest game possible to play. Hmm. Huh. And yeah, the and honestly, I also want like this is, I guess, one of the reasons why this remake confuses me, because in my mind, when I look at Sony, like, OK, we're going to start doing The Last of Us TV show. We're going to make the Uncharted movie. We're going to do all of these multimedia projects that are based on our game, you know, properties, but aren't our game properties. And I look at that stuff and I feel like, OK, they're no longer trying to make games for the mass audience. They're trying to leverage their property into the quote-unquote normie uh, media to make money off of, right? Because they hope you get the people that like the games, it's a recognizable name because of the games, and therefore people will go see it because they heard about it from the game. Um, and they go see what it's like. Um, will that work? I, I don't know. I mean, Uncharted, I think, did okay. But I don't think it really like lit anybody on fire. But that's part of the question like is if that's the case then shouldn't the hbo max show be fine why are you doing this remake again though we, we we're probably going too far off anyway because we don't know if the remake's real or not yeah i i, guess I don't know i because again it's like why like what, 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 what sense does this make i i don't again i think it makes sense as a as a just a, a major facelift uplift on the game to you know update the whole thing i don't know better combat kind of is the best thing i can imagine or retconning like nolan brought up the idea of retconning and i can already think of stuff in the end that they'd retcon to fit better with last of us 2 like right yeah so the red, the retconning angle makes sense i just I have so many feelings about Last oh, of no. Us and Last of Us. 2. Oh no! What if they want yeah, to retcon so many of the complaints that people have that Joel doesn't act in character, that this or that doesn't make sense, and yada yada? Like, what if that's what they want to retcon? Oh, uh, I don't think. I mean, I think that's a. I I, I disagree. Well, with they'll take the, the opportunity. I I disagree. Maybe they'll add some flesh. I don't think Joel necessarily acted. 
out of character. Oh, I don't really care whether he did or not. Right. I mean, I'm just saying of like, there's I think enough they, of I those mean, I complaints. Think the I think the retcons would be more of like integrating Abby into the story in some play. Abby, oh being gosh, yeah, the the second protagonist, um, kind of you meet her antagonist on the road. protagonist, the the other person that makes you do things that you hate in Last of Us Two, and, and you know, integrate her into the story more or drop some more threads to the the settlement that Joel and Ellie are at at the start of last of us two or that sort of thing i i could see that i am this whole idea just makes me tired i'm just really <laughs> tired i don't i don't want to like what okay our buddy what phoenix made? oh no our buddy phoenix in the chat says protagonist for abby is a strong word <laughs> that's how that's how he stands on that matter <laughs> so like so so here's 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 basically this is how i feel about last of us and last of us two Part of what made The Last of Us great was the ending, was the twist, and and this sort of like throughout there is a little bit of ambiguity in what you're doing, but for the most part, you're fighting for your life against people who are trying to kill you. That's that's what you're doing, or zombies that are trying to kill you. And then at the end they flip it around and you're not really doing that anymore, and you feel really bad about the whole thing, but it makes you do it. What I felt like Last of Us 2 did was take the, and I've said this before, it took the ending of Last of Us 1 and said, what if we made a game where you feel like this all the time? <laughs> Every chapter <laughs> needs to end with you feeling like you felt like at the end of Last of Us 1. That's what they did. And what I don't want to do, I don't want to play more games like that. I don't want to play games where I'm constantly doing these things that make me feel sick that I did them. And so that's why I'm, I'm afraid if they go back and try to change anything other than, you know, some very light retcons and some graphical updates and maybe some minor updates to the game engine. Is that they're going to try to make ruin Last of Us 1 by making it more like Last of Us 2. Well, That's... fortunately for me, I mean, I like the first game, but I don't care enough about the franchise to speculate further than that. So um, we're about an hour in. So tell me, do you want to risk another hour of talking about games we've been playing? Let's risk a half hour of um, talking about games we've been playing. Uh, maybe just <laughs> one game? Yeah, let's, let's pick one game. That's a good idea. So, uh, oh, wait, no, that didn't work. Hey, hey, hey. All right, there we go. Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. Something we could technically both discuss because you're... Okay, I played two-thirds, I believe, of the demo. Did you finally... Did you buy it? Did you purchase the game? I purchased it, um, and I, like... I don't... It does something. It can, like... You can, like, I guess, save progress, but I just sort of restarted. So I, I was going to ask actually, about that. Yeah, it looks like I didn't actually test it, but it looks like you can just pick up right where you left off. But I wanted so to watch mean... the intro again and stuff and test some stuff out. So I, I went back to the beginning again. So does that mean the first level, it really, does that mean the beginning of the game really does work as? It's so know? jarring. It's so jarring at the very beginning of the game. There's no like tutorial mission where you're on that boat going to that place and then you come back. 
I haven't seen it, if there is. No, remember how the demo begins where it's like everybody meets up and then they have the boat where they go to the place, they, they talk on the boat, and then they come back, and then the actual first level is in the um, the, uh, the the tar- the temple, the Chaos Shrine? Uh, there's the there's the tutorial section where you're like in the like the final scene of Gladiator or something, and you go through all the tutorial stuff. Did you not? Do oh, you're that? talking about Elysium. Oh, okay. You do that. T- okay. Because yeah, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting the actual formation. You have the the battle with the Tiamat. That's very easy. And then you have the tutorial where you go over the basics of controls. But then there's like it cuts to quote-unquote modern day i guess or whatever present time um right or cuts go, back or cuts forward i don't even know dude no. everyone's the, at the everyone's at the 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 in front of hyrule castle his two buddies come up they all show off their crystals and decide they're best friends and then there's like a screen that's just text and it's like and then they decided to go over to this town and take care of a little problem to prove that they can take care of it and dude, this game is talk this, briefly on a boat and then they're back in front of the king, and that's when they're charged to go to the Chaos Shrine and everything. So that's just how the game is. This game is a mess, dude. <laughs> it's it's okay. a beautiful, wonderful mess. I thought there was stuff taken out of the beginning of the game, and it sounds like there's not. That's loady, loady, loady. Yeah. Uh, so, so one, I, I love how terrible this game is. Like, not the game <laughs> itself is terrible, but just like the dialogue, the pacing, the storytelling. There's so much that's so bad in this game. And it makes me happy <laughs> for some reason. Like, it's just the right kind of bad. It's like the first time you watch Evil Dead 2, maybe. Only Evil Dead maybe. 2. Okay, maybe not Evil Dead 2. Because that's the thing. I, I feel like Strange. I think. I feel like. No, 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 no. Because those movies are so tongue in cheek and self aware. And the thing about Stranger of Paradise is my feeling is that this game thinks it's cool. I feel like it's I sincere. Know. I feel like Ten Cent. Does that make it even better if it's sincere? But that's why I'm saying, and like, that's, that's it, different than what Evil Dead does. Like, Evil Dead and Army of Darkness do. Like, maybe the first Evil Dead, but the evil, first Evil Dead is sincerely bad. This game isn't bad enough to be compared to Evil Dead, but it's too sincere to be compared to Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. So it's like, what is there? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. The Street maybe Fighter movie version of video games? <laughs> like, the Street Fighter, the, then again, even then, the Street Fighter, Street Fighter the movie is too self-aware. Like, what is this movie? Uh, this game? Like, what is comparable? I, I, I don't know. There's That's what it is. There's just nothing quite like this level of i guess it's is, is it sort of like stupid sincerity yeah this like oh man I, I i don't yeah i don't have words i don't even know if fast and the furious is comparable i think fast and the furious is even more self-aware than this family. no family is chaos <laughs> that's it stranger that's paradise it. movie starring vin diesel we need it let's go Vin Diesel as Jack. 
Vin Diesel is jacked. Oh, I wish I could do a good uh, imitation because he he's got that low gravelly voice. That low voice. I'm here to kill. Nah, I don't really do it. I do more like a movie announcer. Exactly. It's like you gotta ha- you gotta sound laid yeah, back yeah. enough. Yeah. You gotta sound like you're chill. So he's like, I'm here to kill chaos. No, I I, I can't do I'm it. Here. He's got a slight accent. He's got the gravelly. Um, yeah. and yeah, he says family. Yeah. You, you make family into a drinking yeah, game. So like yeah, Stranger of Paradise, the movie starring Vin Diesel. That's what you need. Um, and he would do it too. Yeah, right. <laughs> he would do it. So yeah. I mean, I, so one of the things that's weird about this game too is I've heard a lot of complaints about the combat, and for me, the combat just makes weirdly makes sense. And I feel like this goes into why I'm not good at most character action games. <laughs> like for beating Devil May Cry 5 on the standard difficulty felt like an achievement for me. <laughs> but this feels weirdly right. The like weird like block where you like steal the enemy abilities and then the other block that's actually just a block and then you have like your yeah. like your you're switching your like your class switching and all that other stuff. I don't know. It feels weirdly right to me. Where it's stupid and complicated, but it it's in my brain. I don't know. It just works for me. I feel like I'm stealing uh, something from a video essay, and I don't remember what which one. But it's like they had. It's like what they should have done is take the block and then the magic block and combine them into this amazing singular move called block. So it's just one <laughs> ability instead of two separate buttons. Like I understand they're trying to add this neat little complexity because the regular block is able to deal with physical flourishes of blows and it doesn't take nearly as much of your um your stamina or whatever. But then you if you want to block or absorb a magic attack or if you want to be able to counter a powerful blow you use the other magic block, but then holding down that too much reduces your fatigue or whatever greatly. And it's trying to be this interesting decision. And it's like, no, I I'd rather just use this magic block because that fee first, it feels better to use when you time that block and are able to get that counter attack. Like all the feedback is like, this is the correct way to play the game. And then using the regular block is like, I feel like I'm getting backed into a corner. So your influence to use one block over the other by the way the game feels, and that's not how you're supposed to go about it. You may talk now. No, I I get what you're saying. (laughs) I just, I kind of like it. It was kind of like... No, here, here's my here's my example I'm going to give. So there's a really great cheesesteak place. It's like in Marlton, I think, called Jersey Joe's. Uh, just really incredible cheesesteaks. Like the roll is great. The, the, the quality of the steak is great. They put cheese whiz on there, man. And it's like, this is, you know, top five cheesesteaks I've ever had. I used to work in Philly and I've hit all the major cheesesteak places in Philly. And this is like right up there at the top. Then the other day, like, I just went into Wawa and got a cheesesteak at Wawa. You know what? That cheesesteak was bad. It was not good. Yes. The roll sucked. The steak sucked. The cheese stuck to my teeth. Yeah. It all just totally sucked. But you know, I really liked that cheesesteak because I was hungry. And 
And it was it was a it <laughs> sated my hunger and made me feel full. And that's what Stranger of Paradise is. I, whatever this game is serving up, that's what I was hungry for. And this is like filling me up with bad, overly sincere, cheesy JRPG edginess in a way that I, I haven't felt that I've been filled with this since like oh. 2003. And I'm sorry. And, and so I'm, I'm just, just really, thinking, it's like strange. Put that on the Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, a crappy Wawa cheesesteak to a hungry man. <laughs> That's, that's literally what it is for me right now. Like until, <laughs> but it's like, but there's no other cheesesteaks around. That's what it is. Like I could have gotten a good slice of pizza, but I wanted. I mean, a theoretically, considering this I, is I a Souls-like, you have Elden Ring around. You have Neo around. This is, not a, this is not a Souls-like. This is not. This is not. Elden Ring. Let's let's be honest. There's nothing on the on the the level of Elden Ring. Uh, and plus, like that's the, that's the problem. Like Elden Ring, like no, no, it, it is kind of. Does anybody does anybody get out their cell phone and start playing Lit and Biscuit in Elden Ring? If they do, I'm buying it right now. No, they just declare you maidenless. Maidenless. <laughs> you are maidenless. Uh. Anyway, so so what are you what are you playing right now that's so much better than Stranger <laughs> of Paradise? Uh, I I mean I I wasn't exactly ready to be done with Stranger of Paradise. I was just because that's the thing. Like from my perspective, like one of the things that I didn't like was how it handles crowds. Like I feel like the best like one of my favorite fights of the two thirds demo I played was against Garland. That felt like the game firing on all cylinders. That felt like this is what the game ought to be. I do a side quest where I got to fight, fight a giant griffin with all these little ads everywhere. And that's where I'm like losing patience with the game. And uh, then I go to fight Bikey the pirate and he's got ads that show up. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm in a good formula with this. And I think that's what is interesting about you saying like, this feels right. Whereas I'm trying a bunch of different strategies and other things. And it's like, the game doesn't feel right to me. It feels unfocused, unclear on how it wants you to play. Um, I was using a magic. So when I was for that fight, and then for the the last dungeon, I was using a magic on one hand and the samurai build on the other hand. See, I was trying and to do so, magic. Magic feels very. You really like you need had... your allies drawing aggro kind of a thing right so i would i felt like what you need to do with the magic right is is get yourself out of the situation and then very quickly charge up and aim into the group and then if you could switch to the samurai what the samurai build was inter was interesting is that again if you had if you could buy yourself a couple seconds you can charge up that attack and do massive damage mm. so if you had like enemies that were knocked back by your magic you could switch to samurai and then pick somebody off with like the samurai power attack very quickly rather than like comboing them and then sort of juggle that process a little bit now you but said anyway. well you also said um no what what, what system did you say you get this for ps5 
And see, I knew it. And I think I even begged you to get it for the Xbox. Um, oh, sorry, man. Because that's the thing. Like, I would be able to get it on Xbox Series, and I don't have PS Plus anymore, so I can't even play online, even if it's got cross-generation possibilities. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I feel like it would probably... I feel like this game would fire on all cylinders if you're able to co-op it. If you're able to get, like, three players in and all of them be able to play together, and therefore you could teamwork better because your allies, like, you could tell them to do things, but it's there's a lot going on once you have crowds in this game. It really does feel like it's... And that's the thing, like, even though you're right, it's not like a Souls-like Souls-like. It's not like most games that try and steal that pattern, that formula, but it still works... Just the fact that it has that co-op possibility, because there's not like, like what's the the only other like Souls like co-op game I can think of is Remnant from the Ashes, and that's a shooter. So that's not even the same thing. So I would love to do a co-op Souls like style experience, and this is close enough. Um, and chances are, it's also designed because if you could just kite enemies. You wouldn't need to do co-op style stuff, right? Like you wouldn't need teamwork, but because you can't really kite enemies, then the teamwork is more important. I get you. The and and we'll see how it goes as as the game. And I, I should have I should have just got it for Xbox. My problem is my setup right now is I'm I'm looking at it and I'm turning away from the mic. I don't have my Xbox set up in one of my like prime locations. And so your childless and wifeless little portal holes, not portal. Well, well, actually, I mean, at night I usually actually prefer to play on the couch mm. in the like main area if I can. Whereas like right now the series S is literally hooked up to the crappiest TV in the house. I don't know <laughs> if I explained this on a previous episode, but right now we have a, I bought like, I went on Facebook marketplace and found people selling crappy old TVs for like 25, $30. I think the most I paid was 40 for one. So I have like three 32 inch TVs with a system hooked up to each. All in the living room. All no, all in not all in the in, living room, but yeah, like in another. I and the living room, I just have my regular TV hooked up to my PS5. Did you rearrange again since I was last there? Probably. And then yeah, <laughs> and, and then there's another. There's like the what was once it's, it has been a guest room, has been an office, has been like a playroom. Has the three cheap TVs each hooked up to a system for you know doing things like playing Fortnite or Overwatch or destiny or whatever else together so anyway yeah my xbox is hooked up in a not great place that is ideal for playing you know fortnite with three people together not great for playing stranger paradise by yourself at night (laughs) when you want to play on a nice tv and not like a 32 inch dynex from 2009 yeah so sorry. 
Yeah, it is what it is. This is what I expect now to be the multiplayer gaming situation. I'm probably going to be the one left out because everyone else is like, ooh, PS5. And I'm like, bleh, PS5. I'm going to get myself an Xbox. So shame on me, I suppose, but it is what it is. All right. Um, I think that's close enough to an hour and a half. So we will call it there. We'll talk about some of our other games another time. Perhaps next week, next week, because I do... I do feel bad for missing last week, and I would like to. I would like to see if we could podcast more often, if possible. So, but no, that's that. That's a wrap. We got to discuss some industry stuff. Uh, we haven't really done a lot of that in a while, so I was yeah. glad to. And uh, I think we got some good uh, discussion. And we also know that Stranger of Paradise is like a Wawa cheesesteak to a starving man. So, literally, that's. I, don't, I can't <laughs> think of a better metaphor for that game than a Wawa cheesesteak. And if you live somewhere that doesn't have Wawa, I'm sorry. I mean, or just replace Wawa with Subway cheesesteak. It really is the same thing, no matter how much the locals here. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. Wawa cheesesteak is not great. It's not a Subway cheesesteak. Dude, Wawa is so overrated. So there is no difference between. You at least I could get the sweet onion chicken teriyaki at a, at a Subway. It's still not great. You're overrated. No, you're overrated. Wawa cheesesteak is not. If I was overrated, I'd have a heck of a lot more subscribers and followers than I got. <laughs> like, I know you're underrated. Wawa cheesesteak <laughs> is actually no. Wawa cheesesteak is overrated. Wawa is overrated, but Subway is not better. Subway cheesesteak is not. And let's just go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better note to end the podcast on. So thanks for joining everybody. Thanks for listening. Phoenix, you're already out of the party, unfortunately, but thanks for tuning in and having some comments. I hope everyone that was listening at home enjoys. Uh, RamblePack64.com as usual. Have a good night, Steve. Y'all have a good night.